Hello and welcome back to For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to chat with your favorite co-workers about what you watched last night. I'm Matt Scalisi and joining me as always, my virtual office buddy, Caroline Darney, who has been texting me a lot uh, <laughs> about her, her, her dive deeper and deeper into the X-Files as we approach the big anniversary uh, that, that Caroline, I mean, I'm very excited for it too. Caroline- I'm putting, putting in the work, level. folks. I'm yes. putting in the work, so, and it is a lot of work. No, I, that's not fair. I'm enjoying it immensely, but there's a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk about. What, so, first of all, when did you start this rewatch, and how oh, far are you into it now? Because I want to uh, do the math. Yeah, I am. Uh, I can tell you when I started because I bookmarked, bookmarked the tweet. August 9th, I started. So not um, very long ago, as this is August twenty twenty days so ago. Yeah, it's been 20, twenty three days. weeks ago. I started, mm-hmm. uh, and I have just now made it to the end of season five, which is when the X Files fight the future uh, fits into the the movie fits into the mm-hmm. timeline. Which, to be clear, um, that is that is somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred and twenty episodes, maybe yeah, less than that. So five. Uh, 20 per episode, 100, and then there's another four seasons, yeah, 125. In in 20 days, really? Don't do the math. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't do the math. Okay, this is also- An incredible thing to put your brain through. Here's here's my my first question I want to ask you, okay? Mm. Because I, to be clear, I am also a huge X-Files fan, and and, and a lot of things that at one point in my life- I was totally obsessed with and was like cramming as much of it into my brain as I possibly could. I've sort of like not really revisited in the same way since, which I'm, I'm excited to do that at some point with X-Files. But what I want to know is, are you dreaming in X-Files yet? yet? No, not yet. I have not yet reached, um, which is impressive. It is. I think I've mentioned before. I, I used to, I watched, too much of sons of anarchy in a row and i started having sons of anarchy dreams like i was in the um like in the motorcycle gang um yeah i do think this i wonder if how much it has to do with like if you watch it when you watch it right like if it's a thing you do right before you go to bed maybe it has more of an impact on that but because this this is definitely a thing that happens to me if i'm binging a show is i will after like a couple of days of really yeah. getting my brain in there. I am definitely dreaming in it. There's a few. So this is, it's funny because there, this is a show that is one of my all time favorite shows. Um, and I honestly, I'm very curious to see how much more of se- season six, I think is my favorite season, which is a very weird, like, um, and I'm excited to get to season six. That's like when you really hit a lot of the, like, I just, it's a really good, their chemistry is just so, so fantastic. Like, not just in a way that was like, oh, they're like sexual chemistry, but they do have that. I'm not going to lie. Like, they definitely have like good chemistry, but like just the partner friendship chemistry is great. Like, as actor and actress, and like as these characters are playing, the chemistry is off the charts. So it's very enjoyable to watch. I've got like an Etsy tab open where I'm like 25 seconds away from buying. If one more. Scully going Mulder, it's me, and I'm buying the sweatshirt that says Mulder. <laughs> um, and it's just like it's even with like technology stuff hasn't really been horrible when it comes to like you know the 
um, looking back on the show, um, it's cool to like the during the movie, like they definitely now have more cell phone usage and stuff like that. And right. there aren't too many really bad, like, let's use the internet to track down this thing or well, things that would fall apart quickly I, if they I had will say, cell phones. You I'm, know guessing, what I mean? like, I'm guessing that you haven't gotten to the episode yet where they go inside a virtual reality no. world. No. Because, buddy, that one is not hold up. Yeah, there's a few, and there's a few, like, look, like I said, I've watched 125 episodes. Like, there are some bad ones in there. Like, oh, and that's, no doubt. And but, that's kind of, you know, what we're going to talk about to start here with some of the new, like, new Ahsoka show from Star Wars. Is I've already seen, like, I enjoyed the first two episodes. I think we have much less of a time. And part of this is there are now seasons that have six episodes, eight episodes, mm-hmm. ten episodes, if things get wild, you know? Um, unless you're a 30 minute sitcom, like you'll see Abbott elementary has like 20 some episodes in a season. Sure. Um, and a lot of this comes down to budget and yes. num- number one, the, 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 the idea, the streaming, uh, le- 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 we, we don't really even need to dive into that element of it cause it totally changes the map. Yeah. But let's just say, for example, right. That we're talking about cable at least like, like the sort of HBO AMC world of things. Yeah. You, you you are talking about the difference between shows that are spreading out a, a, a pretty – by the time X-Files was a few seasons in, they were getting a pretty big budget for a TV show. Yeah. Um, and then maybe something like what we have now, which are these prestige miniseries events, where it is really almost the same budget, but it's packed into – Six, yeah. eight episodes, something like that. I am curious to see, to look back on like what budget was for something like X-Files, because I think realistically, like there's a few times that they use, I just watched the episode, it's called Folia Deux, and it's like this yes. guy that sees, he thinks his boss has turned into a monster, that he's this like bug that's like turning all of his co-workers into zombies. And it's mm-hmm. a real, I actually, it's a really good episode. It's it is really creepy, good. Very creepy, very underrated. And so like, there's a few things like where they use the CGI to create this like roach looking bug man running around. That's but much they, more like, it's much more like if that had been season two, they would have used a suit. Like it would have been a guy in a suit. Right. Where, like this is much more like the CGI, but they don't do a ton of CGI. So like the, the budget in that sense, but at the same time, CGI in 1998 probably cost very differently than cgi does you know like in the sense that what they did might have cost more for getting less just because of technology at the time but i think our tolerance for a bad episode here or there has diminished immensely and part of that is the binging and you get all of it at once um or if you're used to binging and you don't get everything at once and now you're worried about pacing each week so you have to wait each week it's just everything the way that we consume shows has changed so dramatically from when um something like x-files came out like i I mean there's a couple of there's a couple of reasonable explanations for that one is that this is kind of what happens when people have almost infinite options at any given time so instead of you watch what's on tv um because this is the time that you'd be watching tv and that's these are your options for what's on yeah, um, and even a bad X Files episode is probably it's okay. They're still even worth like the your, worst ones are. It's, it's it's more worth your time than whatever else was on on yes. Friday night or or eventually Sunday night whenever they yeah. moved to Sunday. Yeah. Um, th- then then whatever else was on the other channel. So that's a, that's a part of it. Yeah. But I think also, 
I do wonder if since the 90s and, and obviously before, too, that the sort of way that our brains work as Americans <laughs> See, is that now we've been coached <laughs> to think of our time as having like almost a monetary value because yeah. the, the efficiency culture has really spread into the way that we do everything. And you have to maximize your time with whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> is and this so when I tell you that I've watched episodes while also having another TV on a game <laughs> and like an iPad up with a game on it? Like I've had three screens and then sometimes maybe I'll be on my phone. Tweeting yeah. Well, being on your phone me. during a TV show, I think is mostly. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't doing second. I don't do second screen, you guys. I do quad screen at almost most of the time, especially this. Honestly, the college sports have come back. Like yeah. there's always something on the floor TV. Like, I, I hate always. to be the guy that's like, you know, we all we all have ADD now because of technology, because I don't really think that's true. But I, I do think that like culturally something has told all of us over the last 20, 25 years that it's, it's an absolute atrocity to waste your time watching something that's less than amazing. And, and and I think that's, that's certainly true for me. And I have, I have less tolerance now than I ever have for a TV show. Um, less so for a movie because I, because a movie's an event and I'm going out to do something, but a, a TV show, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm early on in a show and I'm not totally pulled in by maybe episode two, what? maybe three, two, I'm bailing. I'm oh, out. This is wild to me. Cause that's the thing is like, I'd go, maybe I just don't, I don't want to say I'm not like uh, picky enough or not like um, critical enough or something, but like, some would say I, that you just have a more you you're better <laughs> capable of enjoying life, Caroline. Yes, that's not really that. Not like I have low standards or anything. Like no. I just have like a high bandwidth for like this seems fun. So but I like, really I really liked the first two. And we've talked about this before, but like I know nothing about Rebels or Clone Wars. And yeah, I'm let's in get into on Ahsoka. Ahsoka here. Like I'm in on Ahsoka because like I, I'll say this one. There's a lot of like the two main and this the three main characters essentially are main ish are women mm-hmm. and it's cool and I think they're cool and I think that they've got cool vibes and I'm like this is neat <laughs> um, and then you have like the third main character or a fourth main character is like David Tennant voicing a, a droid so I'm like yeah absolutely I'm in this is cool all right sweet but I do agree that it's like where for Andor, Andor's totally separate from, I mean, sorry, it's in Star Wars. Like, we get that. Like, we get that it's cast. But no, yes, it, 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 it absolutely, but, it's not reliant on you being a Star Wars person and right. knowing all the lore and everything. Yeah. And I think more, even like knowing that it's part of the Star Wars universe, because there's no lightsabers in it. <laughs> like, nope. And within the first like 15 minutes of, of Ahsoka, you're getting lightsabers. And there's, or not even 15 minutes, it's the first like three minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool, I can do either way. I'm like, this seems neat. I'm in. Why not? But, and I don't need to, I'm like, okay, they'll tell me who Ezra is. Like, I don't need to have all the, yeah. but you don't feel the same way. <laughs> well, I, I didn't watch the animated series no, that the show yeah. is based on i did not watch rebels i've watched some of clone wars and i didn't really love it and some of it's because i think the animation looks bad i don't <laughs> like looking at it and some of it is because oh, that's a, devastating a, a lot of that but i don't like looking at it <laughs> yeah but i mean also like a lot of the episodes that i saw are um 
feel extremely non-essential. Like it, it, it's like, well, this episode, some of them are cool. Some of them are Ahsoka, like uh, being a badass and and killing a bunch of bad guys with her with her lightsaber. But some of the episodes yeah. are like a bunch of droids get lost in the desert and they um and they all bonk each other on the head a bunch. Like which cool. and that's fine. It's a little kids. It's a kids cartoon show. That's what the show yeah. is. And I think it's a little it's a little confusing to me that they took a kids cartoon and said we're going to make a two hundred million dollar prestige live action series and sort of aim it at at general Star Wars fans. But and so for the first episode, there was a lot of stuff where I felt like it was supposed to mean something to the people watching. And it didn't mean anything to me because I don't know what they're talking about. But the second episode, I yeah. kind of, I'm kind of in now. You're like and, one foot in one foot out right now. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm, maybe I got just enough context now to, yeah. and that stuff is not bothering me. It's almost me. like you needed more than one episode for them to give you a Probably, but Here's I, but a question. I, did you like the fifth element? Have you seen the fifth element? Yeah. And there, so I, when I she do, went to find the little thing, the map, whatever, I had absolutely. such strong fifth element vibes and I'm like, Ooh, fifth element. That, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Like I, maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. No, <laughs> look, I think that this, I think that this is, this is like very, it, it's, I don't, I don't mean this to be as negative as it's going to sound like it's, it's in firmly in the world of prequel star Wars stuff. And I, I think some people really love that. And there are parts of that that I think are cool. I like in general, like the sort of sleek futuristic world. um, But, but a lot of stuff doesn't work right. I think that's, that's a cool idea. And that's fifth element is exactly that. But I, I think where I'm hoping this show improves and gets better at is that I don't, I don't love these performances so far. And that makes it hard for me to love the characters. And it's weird to me because I really, really like Rosario Dawson as an actress. And I really like uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as an actress. (laughs) Um, And they don't really give either of them anything emotional to do. They're very, very like staid, very, um, like non-expressive and maybe some of that's because they have a ton of makeup on. I don't know. Well, I feel like I, again, no Ahsoka background. I feel like that's supposed to be her vibe. Like, cause I also watching the Mandalorian, this is like the vibe I got from her. Sure. Limited experience I have is that she's not one that's going to give you a ton up or a ton down. It's like the Jedi thing, right? She's like, that's the, like, so I always, (laughs) all emotions are out the window. My biggest thing is whenever these come out, I spend like 20 minutes Googling where on the timeline everything is because I'm like, where am I supposed to be? Who's still alive? Mm -hmm. Like where's Han Solo at this moment? At another point in my life, I would have, I would have had the wiki open going through all this stuff as I watched it. But I, there's, there's a sort of saturation point that star Wars has hit for me where I've, it's like once the MCU has hit this with me too. Once you create, once you create one thing for me that feels like I can skip it, like I can afford to skip it. It makes it way easier for me to skip other stuff too. Um, 
So like I'm, I'm a guy who wants to be all in and I want to do a hundred percent completion on everything. But once you, once you break the seal on that, once you make it okay in my brain to skip something, the next thing is going to be way less likely that I'm going to, that I'm going to feel a need to watch it. I'm excited. Well, I know we have to move on to the next thing, but. I'm excited to see Hayden Christensen get another shot. Me too. Me Anakin too. Because he had, yeah, I thought his bit in in um, in Obi Wan was actually pretty strong. Yeah. yeah, I think that that was a tough that was a tough script. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because but, but, it also made Natalie Portman look like she didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> like they're talking in two and three. You know what I mean? Like right, yeah. they were even in one because she was in all three of them. But like, oh, tough stuff. For I think guy. I think Hayden Christensen. Uh, took advantage of his moment in Obi-Wan. And I think I, yeah. I I'm excited to see what he does in this too, for sure. Same. Um, well, Caroline, the other big piece of news this week is that due to the strike, which we've discussed at length mm-hmm. on here, uh, the movie studios have finally started moving some of the upcoming movie releases for They're the fall. They're ruining my fall of Zendaya and not the, <laughs> not the fall of Zendaya. Like I'm not rooting for that. I'm rooting for the fall season of yeah. Zendaya, which was supposed to happen with Challengers in Dune Part Two, and now we're not. And now Dune Dune Part Two at least has been moved. I don't I don't know about Challengers if that's moved or not. But I think it was anyway. Maybe I'm just like assuming it's going to also be March 14th though for Dune. Right. So they seem to be moving to a lot of these. To the, they're moving a lot of these to the spring. They're still not giving them the sort of coveted holiday or summer spots, but they're moving yeah. them to. A, a part of the schedule where there's not really a lot of competition at the moment. Yeah. So looking at the fall now, what I want to do yeah. is go through and see what we have left to potentially feel yes. excited about. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to read off some releases that are still on the calendar. And I want you to give me, we can do, we can do this. How, let, let's do this on a scale of one to five, how excited okay. you are about it. Okay. Okay. Num- number one is expendables for, or as we've said on this show, expend for bulls. Uh, which is coming out September 22nd. Two. Two. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Yeah, I think I, I need to catch back up on the Expendables lore. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> what has been expended at this point. Uh, <laughs> Not enough, because the cast is huge. This is one of those things where it's like, look, if it's a hot enough or rainy enough, like, weekend afternoon, and I've got, I have some, the uh, Alamo has brought back the um victory points which means i have a few freebies (laughs) on the list so like maybe that's a free popcorn situation and i use my because i've got the pass so like essentially this is like do i want to spend two hours out of my house to see right exactly like it's like a maybe i'm I'm gonna skip the paw patrol movie but that is (laughs) just to note that is on the schedule saw patrol (laughs) it it has not moved yet uh we've talked about this one a little bit the creator which is from uh gareth edwards who was the director of rogue one it has john david washington's kind of an ai uh sci-fi action movie i'm gonna give that a five i want to see it and i think five out of five wow yeah, I mean, it's out of excitement, right? It's not how I... How yeah, no, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think with what we have coming in the fall, I think that that's a five. I want to see that in the theater. I think on a big screen, it'd be great. And I like the cast. The cast Is it um, Ken Watanabe in it? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't see him immediately in the cast list, oh, but I think he might be I'm in there. Gemma Chan is in that. Allison Janney. Oh, I love cast. her. Allison Janney's in it? Allison Janney's in it. Um... 
Okay, so pretty cool. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about that one too. I, I I will probably end up seeing that one in the theater. I'm gonna skip Saw. It for is you Ken because... Watanabe. Oh, there you go. Right. No, I'm gonna skip Saw because I know you're not a horror person. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd have to catch up on a lot of lore on that one. <laughs> like, Saw ten. Yeah, you have to watch nine. nine Saw I would have to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean. I, I'm I'm skipping ahead to October here, and I don't I, look. This is traditionally there's a lot of horror movies coming out in October, yeah, and I, and I know is. that's not your None, thing one. in general. None um, two one. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a new for for worth noting. There is a there is a new Exorcist movie coming out that is directed by Danny McBride and uh, David Gordon Green, who just had a lot of at least some success with their, their Halloween movies where they sort of brought that franchise back to the original movie. That's what they're attempting to do with the exorcist here. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that um, just because I think those two guys are really interesting. And I'm also a big fan of their TV shows as well. Um, but uh, you know, again, probably not, probably not for the squeamish, not for the Caroline type. I'll wait, I'll wait on that one. I'll wait on that one. <laughs> um, Killers of the Flower Moon is probably one of the biggest upcoming releases in the fall. That's coming out October 20th. And that is the Martin Scorsese movie with DiCaprio and De Niro and Jesse Plemons and uh, everyone else uh, who's in every Scorsese movie. Yes. Um, so I'm going to three. One. I'm going to three. Okay. Because isn't it, I think that's as many hours as it is long. <laughs> <laughs> one one for each hour <laughs> one for each hour uh it's just like i i enjoyed oppenheimer that was also a three-hour movie i don't know mm-hmm. how many very serious three-hour movies i have in me um in one season i think it'll be really good i i don't know that yeah i think it's gonna be really really good so i will probably go see that in the theater i just it, it's going to be. A th- I know what you mean by Oppenheimer, though. It's like this is going to be good, but I still have to kind of drag myself to it a little. Yeah, bit. it's like it's going to be like kind of emotionally burdensome. I feel like. Yeah, I don't know right. Right. I mean, like, this is not going in like you're going to have a good time, or you're not going into like an end game where you're like getting the payoff for sure twenty for the Scorsese verse. Yeah, for the Scorsese verse. Yeah, they have you know, they have Joe Pesci so show up mad at, at me end. for comparing it to Endgame, that trash <laughs> MCU. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the cast is clearly incredible. Jesse Plemons, we'll have to have like a whole separate like on the career arc of Jesse Plemons, like going from Plemons speaking episode. of strikes, the guy that murdered somebody in Friday Night Lights during the writer's strike back in whatever <laughs> season that was. And now Yikes. he's a multiple nominee. I don't know if he's won any of the um, Oscars or anything like that, but he's he's like a real actor it's incredible yeah. <laughs> also he was great in game night just like everyone was he great was, he night. was great in that game movie night. Is fantastic. all right i've got two more for you okay? okay and they're very different but they're both directed by women okay which is this okay. this is the year for that yes all right the first one is priscilla which is sophia coppola's movie about it's essentially her answer to elvis right it, it's it yeah. is the story told from the perspective of priscilla presley uh, what are your what is your feeling about this one? Three. Okay. Three. That might be an at home one for me. That might be. It feels like it's going to be on HBO Max by Christmas. <laughs> it and is that, an A twenty four movie, so I don't know where where it will stream. Wherever it'll land, I do. I, it's man, I was so disappointed in the Elvis movie. Um, I didn't love it either. I I felt like it was pretty ridiculous. The movie about Tom Hanks's ridiculous character that yeah. just happened to have Elvis. I was like, why doesn't the Elvis movie have more Elvis music in it? Like this is there are so many stories that could have been. Well, there's no time for that. We've got our guests waiting. But 
yes, that is like a three. I'm intrigued, but I don't know that it's necessarily a story that I was like clamoring for. I, I'm I, I'm not clamoring for the story, but I am much more inherently excited about a, a, a Sofia Coppola take on this yes. movie because she very rarely misses for me. I'm I'm a big fan. All right, last one, and I know you're going to be. I have a feeling I know where you're going to be on this one, but the Marvels is still on the schedule as of right now for November yep. 10th. Where are, are, are we both fives on? That's a Marvels? five for me. That's a five yeah. for me, dog. I'm excited about this one. I think it's going to be fun. I, I, they, they have managed to get me actually pretty excited about this, despite being a little bit disappointed with Marvel stuff lately. And the fact that the cast is like the most charming cast of any Marvel movie in years. And they're not allowed to go out there and promote this movie. But I'm still really excited about it. I know. I am too. I th- I'm excited. I'm worried because like someone described it as like, it's more fun and quirky than like, and I was like, don't do this to this movie before it comes out. Like, there are already going to be a bunch of people, the, you know, the guys on the forums that are like, this is blah, 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 like oh, sh- MCU, like whatever. Do You don't need to go out there and like call it quirky and light before it comes. I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm overthinking it, but um, I think it's going to be great i'm very excited every trailer that comes out i'm like yes yep i can't wait can't wait yeah. to see that crew yeah all right we're gonna take a quick break and bring in our guest and when we come back we will be joined by alex mcdaniel and her triumphant return to the show <laughs> after we missed out on our last opportunity to have her all right, and welcome back. Second half, we're trying this again. We had a beautiful segment previously <laughs> recorded. We had some technical difficulties, which happens in this wild world of podcasting. But the lovely, incomparable Alex McDaniel, the managing editor for The Win, is back. Alex, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Lovely and incomparable. Yes. <laughs> I liked that. You too, ma'am. Hire me to introduce you places like Night's Tale, where... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he, like introduces him every time it's very oh, fancy. I was just talking about Paul Bettany. Another show for another day. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's isn't that just a normal Tuesday for you just talking about Paul <laughs> and Kelly <laughs> Murphy? Oh, yeah. yes. So Did technically you-, you do get to be our first returning guest. Um and what did you bring for us? Well, last time we demanded, we mandated what you brought for pop culture potluck, but this time you got to choose. And I think, unlike some of our previous guests, you had a very quick answer. What are you bringing for us today? We're here to talk about one of the greatest shows ever to air <laughs> on the USA Network. <laughs> in, 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 the 20, so like in the 2010s. Yeah. <laughs> We are here to talk about the resurgence of suits. The resurgence of suits. So here, I I will admit here, going into this segment, (laughs) Caroline and Alex were both extremely familiar with suits. Yes. Obviously. I have never seen a single episode before Alex told us that this was her choice. And I watched the pilot. You watched all of it. Oh, no, just the pilot. <laughs> no, I watched the pilot, which, to be fair, is quite an undertaking in and of itself. It's a yeah. long pilot. But, um, like, contextualize, because you talk about, you said the resurgence, okay? I- I'm so unaware of this show that I don't even know what the the cultural arc of it has been. I literally know one thing about it, and and I'm sure you already know what that thing is. But can you explain kind of, like, what is what 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 first of all what made you choose this and why do you think it's still relevant right now 
Um, I chose this after I read Prince Harry's biography this year, <laughs> like his memoir, because he talked about Meghan Markle and the palace having to change her lines in um, season eight. Like once they started dating, she became the worst character. So I wasn't a, I didn't watch the show when it was on. I just binged it in a few weeks and I texted Caroline about it a lot, I think. And, um, and it's interesting because like I would bring it up to people like in our circles and like, why are you watching this old show? I'm like, cause Meghan Markle, it's fine. But ever since it, um, moved to Netflix, I guess now yeah. it's like breaking records with how many streams it's getting. Like everyone's into suits again. And I love it. I think it's timeless. It's, I'm totally, I think we said this before, Matt, but it's, I'm the one for Netflix. I've always been Netflix's ideal customer. When they were sending out DVDs, I would forget to watch them and then just send them right back. So like I didn't even get the mm-hmm. product out of what they were sending me. I just paid them every month for them to send me DVDs I didn't watch. And now they can serve up like anything on the front page. They're like, you might like this. I'm like, okay, Netflix. So like, you you're sure. just you just fully trust the algorithm. But I had seen it before. It. I watched okay. it when it came out. I never finished it because of like I'd have to look at the actual timeline, like where I was, like what, like where I was living, what kind of cable I had, et cetera, et cetera. And as you know, once I miss some stuff, I have a hard time jumping back in because then Mm -hmm. I don't know what I missed and it's a whole thing. But I remember vividly watching the first, my mom and I watched the first few seasons and would talk about it all the time. She had, um, I would always put together like playlists for her, for her iPod or like whatever. And she had one that she did for like walking and all the stuff. And it had Greenback Boogie on it, which is the main theme song because she loved the theme song so much. <laughs> so yeah, I've been, I've been a fan of the show primarily because Gabriel Macht is chef's kiss. He's fantastic. And who is, and who does Gabriel Macht play? He plays Harvey. Harvey. That's Harvey. Okay. So, so I, I totally get, I get, I can, I can get the appeal. We I both think, just grinned by the way. Like we're both yes, like, yes, they did. I can confirm that. <laughs> Definitely of the male cast members. That's the one that I, that I would say has like the most star quality hmm. because the real, the actual lead of the show so far, having just watched the pilot, it's, it's, I would say he's unmemorable. He's fine. But uh, Mike is an idiot. <laughs> Mike's dumb. <laughs> well, so why do we hate? Why do we hate the lead well, of the show? Okay, so I mean, why? Alex, you want to set up the premise for people that haven't watched it in case they're like interested in something. Like, how? What happens in the in the pilot that drew us all in? Sure, it's very <laughs> realistic. So the top, the top <laughs> law firm, <laughs> the top law firm in New York City. Okay, just imagine tall building, lawyers who are Tom Ford suits. It's amazing. Um, this kid who is running from the cops because he has drugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be the best summary ever. Stumbles into this law firm one day, or I guess they were doing interviews in a hotel. So yeah. for who is going to be the associate of one of their top attorneys, Harvey Specter. This guy, Mike, with the drugs, he hasn't even graduated college, much less gone to law school. But after some witty banter with Harvey, um, Harvey's like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance and break the law and risk our firm's reputation. I'm going to hire this kid. <laughs> so they hire a guy as a as an associate, as an attorney, who has not gone to law school. He has not taken mm-hmm. the bar. But, like, yeah. Oh, oh. He, no, he hasn't he taken has, the bar. He's taken the, he's passed he the LSAT. He has passed the LSAT, though. Multiple times. Sure. 
because he has a, a photographic memory, an eidetic memory. So if he sees something once or hears it once, even that, which is a new twist on that kind of memory, isn't it? Isn't it usually if you read anyway, whatever it doesn't matter. He can remember literally everything anyone has ever said to him. The, the, yeah. What the the thing the thing that I wanted that I immediately noticed, and I this is for all I know, this is a very common take and not interesting to say at all. This is a superhero show. This is like a show about a team of superheroes because the, the obviously Mike, the main guy, has an impossible thing he can do, which is that he literally remembers every word on every piece of paper he's ever looked at. And that is, I assume, a major plot point for the entire show. He he has a secret identity, that which is that he didn't go to law school and he has to make sure no one else finds out about this. Then you have other people on the team who are maybe not as superhero-ish as him, but they all have kind of a power or a skill that they're really good at, right? Like Harvey is the closer. Like basically his power is that um, he can talk anyone into anything. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. uh, You you have Meghan Markle who, again, she has, she also kind of has a power, which is that she's the best researcher even though so she they gave her an office, she can't take tests, but she's a, the best. She's the best lawyer in the world who for some for a reason that we don't really need to worry about. She can't become an actual lawyer. Yeah, because she can't do tests. And then there's and then there's the the other guy who I'm forgetting his name. Lewis. Lewis. And Lewis is mean. And that's his power. <laughs> well, He's a he's complex. We can't write off. Okay, right. but sure. yeah, I think but I get fair. that he has a thing like that. Sometimes you need to have like a a guy with a big club who goes around and bashes people. Well, and then you have Jessica, who's the managing partner of the firm, and her superpower is one liners. And I and that's the one actor that I recognized going into this show when I started watching it, and it's because she's from Firefly, which is oh, uh, that's the, right. Mm. Joss Whedon show from the from the nineties, and she's great. She's I, I really like her. She's immediately charismatic. Gina Torres show. is fantastic, and we can't forget Donna, whose superpower is just Donna. knowing everything before it happens. She knows her, her, everyone's needs. Her superpower is this, this like unwavering devotion to Harvey, mm-hmm. which well, Donna is Jarvis. So, yeah, I mean, you're not beginning. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think I nailed this, guys. I think I got it. <laughs> the thing with the show that I, where it gets a little, the first couple seasons, I think, are excellent and so fun. Because what they needed to do was continue to lead into the fact that this is an absurd premise for a show and just have them like solve people's cases week to week. Like, I don't necessarily need the existential dread of constantly being found out. And then, therefore, all every case and everyone they've ever helped being like having all that thrown out like i don't that's not why i tune into usa you know what i mean like i'm here for for notice i'm here for tom ford suits on harvey specter like that's what i'm here and so when you get into kind of like season three four like everything gets so intertwined and it's really just like one case that they're like kind of moving around as opposed to a weekly like here's the case how on earth is mike's inexperience somehow going to end up helping them and he's going to help them like you know let harvey go solve a problem like let some of this so that's where i think that they they lose the plot a little bit and made a little too serious from mike was in prison (laughs) oh wow 
So this becomes pretty serialized. <laughs> I thought I, I I would have said having watched this pilot, this is actually a pretty good setup for a like case of the week type show. Yes. Because you have this group of people who all ha- who each have like a skill that's necessary to do the job. But you're yeah. saying it, it it gets a lot more uh it gets a lot more serialized than that. Yeah. I mean, just because they can't ignore the fact that like what I here's one. what I love about it. In the beginning, if Harvey was really impressed with Mike, okay, so get him hired as a researcher and then pay for him to go to college and go to law school. Like right. you can it's, get him into Harvard. It's already been made clear that this law firm does pay for people to go to law school. Yeah. Which is yeah. like a very common thing to do. Yeah. So, but instead, they're going to spend the next, like, five seasons just hiding their secrets. As more and more people find out about it. Like, yeah. just so many people know that Mike isn't a lawyer. Like, it gets out of control. Yeah. We're just like, this is absurd. And it's funny, because I feel like we, we talked about it, but we, I feel like we glossed over it. Meghan Markle is in this. Like, I got to talk, yeah, <laughs> I do want to talk about Meghan Markle, because uh I didn't, again, the first time I was ever aware of her was from like tabloid stuff and Alex texting a group chat that we're in (laughs) about every single thing that ever happened to Meghan Markle and Harry. (laughs) But she's, she is extremely charming, extremely Mm -hmm. likable in this show immediately from the, from the pilot on it is what's the story here. Did, did Harry watch, Suits? Did Harry watch no. USA Network and fall in love with this actress? But you know Kyla. who did? Kate and Will. They watched oh, Suits. Okay. Um, so it's really interesting. No, they met through a mutual friend, and Harry just saw like a filtered photo. It had like dog ears on it of Megan when he was scrolling Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and um and so uh they yeah, he didn't know of her at all before that started so that was just like a funny little happening and she was still on the show when they met but Mm -hmm. after they got engaged she had one more season left obviously um and the her last season is such a like disgrace (laughs) compared to like what her character is because they built her up to be this like very smart very bubbly sexy like confident in her womanhood she and mike spoiler madly in love yeah not shocked by this at all that is immediately set up and like very affectionate (laughs) and then when the her last season the palace had to review all their scripts and like approve of her lines and what she was saying and had to approve of her clothes so her last season she's showing up in like loose sweater she still looks great i'm not saying you gotta wear a skin tight whatever but clearly there's been a shift she's wearing pearls like she goes (laughs) to she sees this guy that she's loved forever who's just gotten out of prison and she's gonna marry him, and she'll just like kiss his forehead, knowing three seasons earlier, like it was wild. It was not so princess. Bas- so behavior. basically, the queen became an executive producer on this show. At yeah. Some point. <laughs> well, and everything, every single conversation that she has in season eight starts with her just coming in and being like, "Um, are you okay, Donna? Yeah. <laughs> Donna, are you okay?" And it's sad. Mike, what's going on? It's all that stuff. Like, no, it is a bummer because this, this. I mean, like, she has a very like, and this whole show has a little bit of a like Sorkin-y vibe to me. But she feels very much like an Aaron Sorkin character, where she's she's like, uh, at first approached as 
a little bit of an object of like the the male characters like wow she's really pretty uh i should go after this girl and then it, it becomes immediately apparent that she's way smarter than all of the other characters that you've met so far uh and she's she's got great chemistry and dialogue with everybody that she interacts with so yeah that is that's a bummer that that she doesn't sort of have more agency than that as the show goes on although i assume at some point in the first few seasons she probably does get those moments oh yeah like i think she's a great character it's just her last season that's sad because you're like oh she's just gonna go out as like a dowdy little like well, i don't know it just wasn't her character and I didn't like it. It's funny you say the thing about Sorkin, though. Um, the creator of the show, huge Sorkin fan. And I think even though this mm-hmm. hasn't been confirmed, um, you know how Mike made up his name, like Rick Sorkin? I think yes. that's a nod to Aaron. I, I, I thought the same thing. I thought that has to be intentional. But I was telling um, a friend of mine the other day who he loves everything Sorkin has ever done, which is we fight a lot about it. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, it's a little extreme. Um, and I was telling him, I was like, this is like TJ Maxx Sorkin. Yeah, you sure. Know? I think that's like, fair. You're basically getting the same thing you'd get off the rack, but there might be like a little tear in the shoulder. <laughs> Maybe like the logo's a little messed <laughs> up. Like, little that's, that's what you're getting here. I, I really was thinking a lot about um, about other Sorkin shows watch like I just inevitably my brain was thinking about West Wing and uh, you know Studio 60 and parts it's just like they're all workplace yes. dramas but the, the one thing and, and maybe this is a USA Network thing because I haven't watched USA shows before that that sort of makes it feel low budgety I guess is the music in this show <laughs> Like I almost would have rather it been a cheap score that somebody's playing on a keyboard because what what they do instead is it's like a lot of um, like public domain, uh, yeah. <laughs> or uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Like basically, somebody bought these songs that are used in the show off of a off of a <laughs> off of a music server that you, <laughs> where you pay like four ninety nine for the for the rights to use the song. I don't know yeah. if I even noticed in the premiere. I think it gets better later on, doesn't it, Alex? Does I don't it? know. He used there's a lot of jazz from like Harvey's collection. So they have a lot of like Jazz would have been good. There's there's a lot of what feels like sort and- of uh like Plus, elevator music rock that has vocals in it. It's the pilot, though. You have to keep <laughs> yeah, that in mind. Sure, they that's to totally fair. It. Yes. Yeah, but, I don't remember like, ever thinking the music in this is just terrible. Yeah, I just think like the pilot. It's not the best. Like you, you should probably watch the first season. <laughs> <laughs> the first two, Alex. Like, we literally you you couldn't know this, but we literally just had a discussion about how low my tolerances for watching a, a 25 episode tv season if he doesn't he yeah. said if he's not pulled in by episode two then he's gonna be out and but i like, I, I will say this as pilots go this is a good this is a good yeah. pilot you guys i was very skeptical when y'all said just just watch the pilot as like your example to talk about this show on the podcast because usually pilots are pretty bad but actually i thought this was pretty good for a pilot i think yeah. they set everybody up I get who the characters are and what their deal is and why I should like certain characters. Um, I mean, I was, I was pretty impressed. It's of course it's super fun. <laughs> and that's like there are Catherine Heigl joins the show later. Yeah. <laughs> almost is, spit take um, just now. I, are you serious? She becomes wild. regular cast. Yeah. yeah. Like season eight. So season eight. there isn't, so season nine, there are nine seasons. Season nine is not yet on Netflix. So I've watched all of season eight. I did not watch season nine yet. 
Um, and there's a few, like, I think I didn't realize, but, um, the, like Jessica, I think that was a spinoff, wasn't it, Alex? Yeah, she it was like have, Chicago like, Law or something. Yeah. So I she had no idea. Chicago. There was like a Chicago spinoff for this. And then, so the cast kind of changes a little bit. I always mm-hmm. like die laughing when Katrina shows up and it's the main actress from um, that ballet movie. The, what is, oh my God, what is it called? Are we talking um, about Center Stage? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the blonde from center oh, stage yeah. and what i'm always it? like that's the girl from center stage um and so like the cast is always it's fascinating and there's like and mike is the most frustrating character in the history like he does so much stuff where you're like you're already hiding everything mike like just listen to harvey for the love of god yeah or anyone but i will right. say i think this show not just for shows on usa for all shows has one of the most satisfying relationship slow burns that I've yes. ever seen on a show. 100%. They dragged it out for 8 seasons. Yeah. So so really there's not there's not a Oh, okay. Now, I was assuming that you were talking about Mike. You keep thinking no. Mike's the main character and no. Mike is not the Mike character. is not the main okay. character. It is it's all about Harvey and Donna. Okay. And as the show goes on you find out they have this history and like she's clearly the closest person in his life but he keeps dating all these other gals who are like models and blah blah blah. She and says like, she says in the pilot by the way she says we've been we've been married for 3 years I just didn't tell you about it. I mean very accurate. Um and relatable. So. <laughs> but yeah, it's it truly like the payoff. I got really frustrated with it in season six or seven because I'm like, I'm really tired of the will they won't they. But the payoff was so mm. good. That I was like, yes. OK, that was worth it. Yes. Highly it's, recommend. And honestly, I think Gabriel Mocked is just so underrated. He is so charming in this. Role. I agree. So, I mean, and it's just beyond the like. He's obviously very good looking. He's a handsome man, but it's not like necessarily the handsome where you're like, damn, that's like the most beautiful person I've ever seen. But it's the vibes. Like he has like the smoldering vibes that just work. And he he's is got in Tony Stark, not to take it back to this, but he's like kind of an a-hole and yes. but, but not in a way that makes him totally irredeemable. Yes. Yeah. And he plays the romantic lead in a rom-com called Because I, because said, I, so. I said So, which is... <laughs> <laughs> this is why Alex and I are best friends because we've already talked to our good friend Kyle Banduho who was on last week to talk point break we told him we're like February rom-com month big screen sports it, it, it is locked in like you happening. cannot change it like it is happening like we're doing because I said so it's uh, Mandy Moore Diane Keaton right is that Tom Everett yeah. Scott and it, Gabriel Mox compete for the heart of Mandy Moore who's of course Amazing. a baker she's like a cute little baker right like she just makes little cupcakes all the time and stuff I was not aware of this of oh, this entry Lorelai on Mandy Moore's one of her sisters uh, like it is the most like that time frame of our lives like movies ever who's the other is it Piper Parabo is her yeah. other sister mm-hmm. it's like very specific time of my life that's a good guess that's pretty and it is excellent and he plays a very charming drummer who's like a single father it is the (laughs) cutest thing in the world so he's like not harvey he has tattoos he did tattoos he was so dangerous looking oh my god i just want to watch i just it's so this movie was made in a lab for women (laughs) in their late 30s (laughs) 
But we were in our 20s when it came yeah, out. We were in our 20s when it came out. Okay. <laughs> but yes, also still true. It was made for us in a lab to continue to love throughout yeah. our entire adult lives. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Suits. Well, listen, I'm I'm uh, I'm glad that you brought this, Alex, because now I have uh, this piece of cultural knowledge in my head I wouldn't have had before. And I and I did enjoy the pilot. Um, one thing one thing that we haven't really talked about yet, that is a, obviously an essential element of this show, uh, is the suits themselves, the actual suits. And I I understand that the title is also a pun and has to do with lawsuits, but they are wearing suits and there's even a scene where he's like you got to go buy some suits leonardo dicaprio <laughs> pointing at the tv um so i thought for our game show segment that we're going to do this week that we would take a look at some important moments in film and television history involving suits that our lead <laughs> actors wear and the way that they inspired real life fashion trends in a segment that we're calling you make me want a suit go ahead chandler hey yeah i want a suit baby <laughs> Here I go, here I go, here I go Again, girls, what's my weakness? Menswear Okay then, can I get some ties with the wingtip collar? Your hair and bone make me want to holler You make me want to suit Your hair and bone makes me want to holler? <laughs> <I do>, menswear <laughs> yeah. I, had to, I had to make sure that you could hear me over the background vocals um, Oh god, these get better every week <laughs> better better is an interesting adjective for that. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about suits uh, that have inspired real life fashion uh, from the movies. And I'm going to have three for each of you. I will say these are increasing in difficulty as we go along. Oh, so uh, I don't so think I'll be good at this. I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> Alex, you're, you're first up here. Okay. So, <clears throat> This classic college dorm room poster movie features an iconic opening credit sequence that features five characters walking in black suits. Mm, it's not Animal House, is it? It's not Animal House. It is Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I was going to say Scarface, so I'm glad I didn't have that one either. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen either one of those movies. You've never seen Reservoir Dogs? Mm-mm. Oh, that's right. You're both women. I forgot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in this can you, hold on can you explain the godfather to me too <laughs> <laughs> can you play matchbox 20 at me oh well, no. <laughs> um all right caroline you're up in this iconic 90s comedy the lead characters show up to a black tie event wearing an orange and light blue tuxedo respectively dumb and dumber that is correct it is dumb and dumber all right alex Earlier this year, an iconic suit worn by John Travolta fetched more than a quarter of a million dollars at auction. In what film did Travolta wear this suit? Saturday Night Fever. It is Saturday Night Fever. It was the iconic disco suit, which inspired a trend. Believe it or not, people our parents' age were wearing disco suits. What Um, if I had said, look who's talking? (laughs) (laughs) Just somebody had to have that one. It's like hairspray. All right, Caroline, yeah. to, keep, to keep your lead, after being featured as an important accessory in this 1997 movie, sales of Ray-Ban's Predator 2 sunglasses tripled overnight. 
1997. 1997. Is this Men in Black? It is Men in Black. Man. Yes. Man. We're going into the final <laughs> round here. These are tough, okay? Whoa. Alex. James Bond's most iconic look may be the white tuxedo worn for the first time by the character in the movie Goldfinger. In Agent 007's home country of England, what do they call tuxedo jackets? (gasps) Tuxedo is an American term. She called Jack. (laughs) I know Jack would know. (laughs) (laughs) Your son would know? Yeah, he's a he fancy boy. He's been to England. Um, I I know I've heard it before, and I keep like the word crop keeps coming to mind, though I don't know why. I just think it's related to something. I don't know. I don't know. We're going with an I don't know. Wow, tough. I don't they're, know. They are called dinner jackets in England. They do not call them tuxedos. Oh. All right, Caroline, let's finish this one out. The famous this sorry this famous American fashion designer. Directed the films A Single Man and Nocturnal Animals, both of which were Oscar nominated. A fashion designer? I don't know. Calvin Klein. (laughs) Calvin Klein has not directed any films that I am aware of. That would be Tom Ford. Oh, shoot. (laughs) All right. I knew that. (laughs) Caroline still comes away with the win anyway. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. <laughs> your your record remains very strong in these games. Alex, I'm so sorry. It's this cool. Was, I shouldn't I look, it's my fault for throwing you a reservoir dogs question. I should have known that only men in their late 30s and 40s have seen <laughs> reservoir dogs. Whatever. Locks to anyone who does not fit that demographic. <laughs> I was sabotaged, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I would say I don't write the questions, but I literally do. Write the questions. <laughs> he literally picks them. Well, thanks, thanks, Alex, for for coming on the show. And we're glad to finally get you in an episode that will go out on the feed for everyone with like working audio and an internet connection. Honestly, I would say maybe the best microphone that we've had for a guest so far. Yeah. you have an Ooh, outstanding like... podcast microphone. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> stuff. it. All right. Well, you can find all of our, all three of our work <laughs> at For the Win. Uh, and we will be back again next week with another episode here on For the Water Collection.